Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to Solutions Watch in March of 2021. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and today we're going to be talking to a new guest who I am going to assume is already familiar to a lot of you in the crowd, but maybe not. Uh, his name is Curtis Stone, and you might know him as the Urban Farmer, although maybe we should start addressing him as the artist formerly known as the Urban Farmer. I think he has some qualifications about that uh, that term, but we'll get into that. Um, the best way to find him right now is fromthefield.tv. But he has a presence in a lot of different places online. We'll talk about that today. Curtis Stone, thanks for joining us on the program today. Thanks for having me, James. Happy to be here. Excellent. Well, as I say, um, Curtis Stone, the urban farmer, was kind of the the moniker under which I think you gained quite a, a lot of notoriety online. But that is uh, changing. You've changed perspectives like a lot of us yeah. in the past year. Tell us about your change. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I got into urban farming because it was really the easiest way for me to get into farming at the time, I've, I've kind of taken the stead pill per se a, a while ago, but I didn't really have the means to do it because to go and buy land is to buy land and then put up a bunch of resources to build stuff on the land. So I got into agriculture by basically just leasing out people's front and backyards. And I started a business, a commercial farming business that way. And that was kind of my foray into being on the land and you know, built a career out of that. But uh, as you know, and many of your viewers know, um, the cities aren't all that hot right now. <laughs> and so the, a lot of the things that were great about urban farming, even just a couple of years ago, are not there. I mean, when you've got a lot of people around the world social distancing, and they're just terrified, they're afraid to talk to one another, you don't get the same, you know, a big part of what's great about urban farming is it's the social aspect. And it's probably one of the most actually practical um, parts of it, which really moves the needle in a positive way, I think. The, the food production is, let's be honest, you can produce food on bigger farms easier. But the urban aspect connects people, gets people together. You have a conversation with your neighbor, politics aside, culture aside, sometimes language aside. Talking to people walking by your garden is a great way to get to know people and sort of proselytize the idea of growing your own food. But the city right now is, it's scary. It's really scary. And uh, it's not that it's scary. I'm not scared. But it's the people that walk by that just no longer want to engage. They're either wearing a mask, they want to just walk, get to their destination really quick, or they're on their phones. So it's not, um, it's not so great. And, 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 and if, you, if you're paying attention to what's going on, especially here in Canada, we're moving into a serious, serious technocracy. And there are things happening in cities particularly that are going to make life more and more miserable and so myself my wife and my two children we don't we just we want to be in the countryside and try to preserve as much as we can of our lifestyle I think a lot of people are going to resonate with what you're saying, regardless of where they are right now physically, because we've seen over the course of the past year, I mean, just take the the, the prime example, New York City. I mean, who wants to live in a place like that at this point? Um, I, I, there's a lot of people who are leaving and for obvious reasons. But the question is, you know, where do you go and what do you start to do? And you mentioned the stead pill. I know what you mean by that, but I'm thinking there's probably a lot of people who don't. Let's talk about homesteading and what, what this concept is. Yeah. So, I mean, the stead pill is really the idea kind of like catching people like what the, what the red pill means. We all know what that means. We're, we've all taken it if they're watching your show. But I think a lot of truth, a lot of the truth community don't really they look at problems. They've read books like Tragedy and Hope or great, you know, listen to your shows for years and have a, a 
criticisms of what's going on, but not necessarily a lot of solutions to, okay, well, what do you do? There's lots of solutions. You've covered them in this show for years. Um, but getting on the land and actually, you know, being able to be in control of your food, water, energy, and shelter are huge because just look at what happened in Texas, right? Look at what can happen anywhere in centralized systems is a, a switch can be flipped and then all of a sudden you are waiting in a breadline. And so this is really all about taking accountability for that, especially in this time we're in now. I don't think there's ever been a better time to get on the land or at least get into smaller areas where there's less people, especially less crazy people, <laughs> and uh, start taking account for providing for yourself in it in the world. So let's let's talk about that uh, concept and, and people who are incredulous. That I mean, can you really provide your own food, water, shelter, and energy? I mean, how are you going to do that? It's such a monumental task. Uh, can you just go out there and start doing it? I mean, obviously, you have to build up to it. How do you do that? It is a monumental task. There's no question about it. But it's like anything, baby steps. Just start. Um, get things going now. I mean, one thing people can start doing is just having food stored. That's really important. And then you can start planting some food. You know, I got into farming without owning any land and just started growing in people's front and backyards. So it's it's taken me really 10 years to get to a point where I can go out into the land and be confident that I can just carve it out and make it happen. But one one way is just to really look at one particular problem. I mean, for me, there's, I call them the four four nexuses of human survival, the, the, main, the main four, food, water, energy, shelter. Okay, start with one. You know, which one can... Food's probably... Well, shelter is an, is an easy one, but shelter and more or less being off grid and having heat. I've got a wood fire stove behind me here. It's kind of taking a pick at some of these and just doing something about it. So, I mean, one thing I started this year with some friends just as sort of an experiment is we started a cooperative farm. And I'm no longer commercially farming, but we basically went and leased a half an acre of land from a, a friend of mine's farm and and, and just got it prepared, put greenhouses on it and started growing food together. And the work was very little because when we're all pitching in, you know, maybe we spent four hours a week total of labor between all, all five people at the time to, to take care of it. And it was easy. We just kind of, it, it, it happens. So it, the key is, is to just get something started and push forward. All right. Um, so, all right, let's talk about that. So, I, I, as I say, I know a lot of people are feeling this and are looking around at their urban hellhole and wondering how they can get out and are starting to think along these lines. For people who find themselves in that boat, what sorts of considerations do they start looking at when they're trying to choose where to go? Well, that's a really good question. And I think um, everybody's context is different, but let's imagine from the, from the position of somebody living in a big city like you know, are you from Calgary originally, Edmonton or Calgary? Don't don't say Edmonton. Somebody, okay, yeah. Anyway, somebody living in a big city like that, it's like just getting out of that city alone would do a lot for a sense of security with where we're going. I think going to a smaller community. Um, we can't all buy land, but perhaps you could move to a smaller community and rent a house. You know, what you would pay for rent in downtown Calgary compared to what you would pay for rent in, you know, some 
tiny town out like Coldale, Alberta or something, um, you can probably rent a house with a lot of yard space and have a lot of garden space just doing that as a renter. You know, that that's an easy thing that people could do. Um, Because to go and buy land is a big step. But something like that, just getting out of the city, getting out of the way of the craziness that's going to be going on and is going on, and then taking control of your food in some way or another, getting some gardens going, really having a lot of seeds and having a lot of food uh, stored food are two huge things. And then gardening is kind of the next step. But uh, we can still buy things right now. And so let's take advantage of the time that we have. Things are available. We're not in absolute food crisis yet. So just having food stored is going to be huge. So here's my take, and you correct me if if you think I'm wrong here, but um, I think you brought it up earlier. The sort of the community social aspect to urban farming um, was uh, is an essential part of this because you are connecting with other people and proselytizing and or sharing ideas and or meeting like-minded people. That is that is an aspect of what people are thirsting for right now um, as they're being locked down and locked away from each other and you can't talk to other human beings. Yeah, we are thirsting for that kind of social interaction. And that, to me, speaks to the idea of community as being the base of what we need to achieve. It's great to be able to think that I can be the lone wolf, you know, eating bugs and rainwater and living completely off the land 100% self-sufficient, but I don't think that's the solution for everyone or even for most people or even for anyone, question mark. Maybe there are people who can do that. But I, I, I think it has to come down to community. And I... My, my sense is that you're never going to achieve the 100% self-sufficiency, but if you can at least become um, more self-reliant in a number of different ways and form connections with people in your area that can help to supplement that and create that community, that's kind of the vision of what I'm thinking for this. But tell me what your perspective is. Well, and I agree. I agree 100%. No, no, the, the whole lone wolf prepper uh, strategy is really difficult. And... And like, I'm a very social guy. I'm extroverted. And so I love to have people around me. And we, we've kind of done that naturally, even just by coming out to where we are. We've connected with a lot of people. But, but you're right. And so much of what's going to have to happen going forward is we're almost going to have to form our own sort of private societies, our own private communities. Because if it gets to the point where, you know, in Canada, where there's rumors of this Canada Health Pass coming out where... You know, you don't have this vaccine. You can't do anything. And I think it'll take time. That'll probably take years down the road till you can't go to the grocery store without it because that would just be genocide in a way to a lot of people, right? This is, the system doesn't want that to happen so quickly. But it might get to that point in time, especially with enough, enough propaganda and enough fear-mongering with all of this. It could get that way. But people are really going to have to start collaborating in so many different ways and saying, look, like come together. And, uh, I always tell people you should know five people that have your back, no matter what, that if things happen really quickly and you need to move or you need to go somewhere, or you're just in need, five people that have your back and you would do the same for them. That's the beginning of a community. And what's so important about community too, is that we need to have reasons to, be in a community, just coming together in a community and saying, hey, we all like to, you know, sit around and smoke weed and talk politics. That's not really enough need. Needs and benefits are so important in community. And I think the way if we can find ways to, hey, I'll grow vegetables and fruit and then I'll source my uh, eggs from the guy down the street or I'll source my uh, pork from the guy 
up the road or things like this. Having these connections, especially starting to form them now, will be very important as things get tighter. And so that's that's one thing I always do. Every, everywhere I am, I, I always talk to other farmers. And because I'm a farmer, I can kind of know how to s- strike up conversation with them and get to know them. And, and I, I, I take that very seriously. And we get very little of our food from the conventional system. So the majority of it comes from things we grow or things that we can get from people we know. Excellent. Well, tell us a little bit about From the Field and why did you start this and what kind of material do you have there? So... I started that a couple years ago. Um, I saw the writing on the wall with the censorship and I was getting to a point, you know, I, most people just knew me as a guy who made videos about urban farming and things like that. But I kind of started to have a hard time keeping my mouth shut on certain issues. You know, I've been watching your videos for years and, um, took the red pill a long time ago, really read G. Edward Griffin's book was one of the first books I ever read kind of blew my mind about central banking. And I, I couldn't help but talking about started talking about this stuff. So I, I knew at some point that the censors would come for me as they have come for you. And so I said, I'm just going to create my own platform and then just start. And, you know, if only 1% of my audience on YouTube come in there, great. And that's what it was to start. And it's, it's probably more than that now. But it's basically been my way of protecting myself from the, from the tech censors and just um, – controlling my content and deciding what I want to say and where I want to put it and not have to worry about somebody deleting my videos. So what kind of content? I mean, like people who are, I don't know about what you're doing, what specific kind of examples of things? Specifically what I do is I show, I showcase the work that I do on the land, farming, market gardening, uh, now designing a, a broad acre permaculture property. And then I travel or I've traveled around the world interviewing other great farmers and homesteaders and off-gridders and preppers. And I put all that content into this site. So what's different about this than a place like YouTube is it's difficult to make a career as a content creator if you are making long-form content. I'm sure you could probably relate with me on this is because if things aren't clickbaity, YouTube isn't really going to pay you much money. So I have found that it's important to just go to the niche this, the, the, the small amount of people that want quality. And so we do high quality, long form, super detailed content that isn't about clicks and nice thumbnails and whatever. It's just about uh, conveying a specific idea on a certain type of land, like looking at something like aquaculture, really delving into that with an expert. And so I travel to them and, and uh, document all these great growers. Now, okay, so as I say, I'm sure everyone is thinking about this in some sense. Wherever they are, I'm sure they're looking at what the nonsense that's going on and thinking, I got to get out of here in some way. Um, But obviously that's not possible, or at least not all at once for everyone. Is there a, a sort of intermediate step that people can be taking or ways that people can, in an urban environment, be preparing themselves? Or are you giving up on that altogether? No, 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 no. Because let's face it, a lot of good people are going to be in a situation where they just can't pick up and quit their job, or maybe they're maybe they're they have a family and their wife aren't, isn't totally on board with them, or or vice versa, or who knows? There's a, a an infinite amount of circumstances. Yes, there are things people can do to prepare. I think in a city, it's really important to have a backup plan. Like, where are you going to go? If, if it gets so unbearable and the boot of the state is on your neck and everybody else's and you're going, I have to get out of here. We have to leave now. So you need to have an alternative way to get out. Usually that's not a car. 
because if everybody wants to get out of the city, if everybody gets woke at the same time, <laughs> nobody's getting out, right? So having an alternative way to get out, that could be a dirt bike, that could be a, a good mountain bike. Um, you should have a bug out bag, like a, a bag that you can basically just grab and go that has at least seven days of food in it, water, some basic survival supplies, uh, maybe a, a ham radio or, or, you know, some things that you could just grab and go. Um, also having, if you're stuck in a city, just having a, a way to cook your, cook some food, heat your home and have some food. So it say it was, everybody wants to get out at once. Like I said, nobody's getting out. You might say, well, you know what? It might be better just to lay low for seven days, eight days. Let, let the, 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 the craziness die down, then go. And so you need to have a way to cook. You need to have a way to heat your home and all these things. And so everybody, I always say this, everybody should have at least one year's worth of stored food in their home. That's not that hard to do. Just like a lot of dried stuff, you know, so you're not gonna have the best meals, but you can eat and survive. Everybody should have something like that in their home. And then this way you at least have options if the time comes where you have to get out and you gotta hunker down for a while or you just gotta get up and go. All right. Um, I really want to start getting into sort of specific techniques and things, but hopefully we can do that in the future. Today was just to introduce people to the idea of homesteading and, and what this entails. Are there any sort of last thoughts you want to leave people with on this topic? Yeah. Um, I mean, if people want to, to see some of the stuff that I'm doing on my land, again, they can head to my website from the field.tv. But the thing that I it's important, I think, to, to finish with is that I say all this stuff not because I want to create fear. I'm not trying to, and I know you're not trying to create fear. We we sit, we 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 talk about these things to raise awareness and just give people a dose of reality. And so, I always say it looks like things are going crazy, but enjoy it, have fun, be happy. Because if you're if you're miserable and the world's going to shit, you still lose. You might as well enjoy it and have fun. And so, and and that's that's what's kind of nice about doing anything on the land, whether it's growing your own food or put it in a small orchard or just starting to think about how you exist on the land, it's really enjoyable. Getting grounded and connecting with the earth is something that so many people are lacking in their lives right now. And it's something that brings such an incredible quality of life. And uh, it's, it's great for kids too. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, what what better education could there be than the education that humanity has had for however many millennia, which Absolutely. is you know growing up, producing your own food, interacting with people in the real world, rather than sitting there in front of screens in their urban hellhole. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't. I, I think. I, I I imagine everyone will resonate with that. Uh, that message. If they don't, I don't know what they're doing here. But uh, the question is how they bring that to their own personal situation. And as you say, context, context is everything. And there's so many different situations that people find themselves in. I hope they will at least start checking out your work and looking for specific uh, ideas of what they can be implementing in their own lives. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. I, as I say, I want to continue having this conversation in the future. Curtis, thank you so much for coming on today. Right on, James. Thank you.